Thank you so much to YC Dance. I don't know how you are doing when you look at these pictures in the background. Oh, I am longing to go back to Israel. You too? These wonderful, glorious pictures is, uh, were filmed by Matthias Rowley when we were there last time. I hope you can all uh, hear me. I think it's a bit loud. Maybe you can kind of do something about that. Of course. The hall is a bit more empty. Well, I also would like to welcome you. Thank you and welcome to all those who are joining us online as well, because this is our online service. Now, this is the first time after a long time that we can be together according to Corona regulations. We do have quite a distance between us, but that will change. The Lord's here and I am enjoying the presence of God here so tremendously. So Corona is kind of our key word here. I feel that the past few weeks I keep speaking about doors, but that's the prophetic doors that we've received right from the beginning. Do you remember Passover? We had the word of Noah with the closed doors. And so the Corona crisis is actually a very historic event, unlike anything we've seen in the whole world before. The entire world has been locked up behind closed doors, in part they still are. In Israel, we've got lifting of restrictions now, we too. But there are still countries that are still dealing with this. In South America, it's still very difficult, especially in Ecuador, Guayaquil, or if you look to the United States, you see hotspots like in New York or wherever. So some people kind of get used to it and they are straining for normal life. Um, and at the same time, you read of recession, economic uh, downfall, uh, jobs lost and whatever. But it's God's message that is so different. His message is we are always in front of our breakthrough with our living God. God's a God of open doors, a God of breakthroughs. And he has a destiny for us. And this is a year when you and we shall walk through open doors. Can I hear you say amen, even on a Sunday afternoon? I can tell you the people at 2 p.m., they were a bit more alive. So you need to kind of do something about this. Well, God's a God of open doors. And we need to learn how to go through these open doors. Because he's got a destiny for us and for you. And we need to see how is this possible, what still has to happen. So Isaiah 62.10, that's the word for my message about open doors for a new time. So that's Isaiah 62.10. Pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones. Raise a banner for the nations. The Lord God has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your savior comes or your salvation comes. So I think, first of all, we need to take a look at how we deal with open doors. You know, open doors can either be a threat, but for many people, it can also be a challenge. That's point number one. So there was a group of scientists and they wanted to know how people can deal with obstacles, limitations and failure. And so there is one group of people 
When they face uh, failure or a lack of success, they get depressed, they are beaten down. It's like an enemy they're facing. But there is another group of people, when they see uh, failure or they mess up in some way, they fail, but strange enough, they are not discouraged. Somehow, they view their lack of success not as failure, but they see it as an opportunity to learn from. And next time, they will do better. So actually, that is a totally uh, contrary way to see life and to approach life. And so in our mindset, there are also closed doors and open doors. So closed doors, closed mindsets, that's when I define myself by my uh, capabilities or my gifts, my abilities. Every mistake that I make shows me, oh, I don't have enough uh, abilities, I can't do it right, there's something in me. I never want to make any more mistakes, I compare myself to others. But there is also an open mindset, open doors in my mind, that might say, hey, it's not so important what I can do, my uh, capabilities are not so important. You know, everyone is to have capabilities, but my, what's important is my willingness to learn and to grow and to develop. And so, my friends, the goal for such an open minds and open doors in our own hearts is not just to be more capable, to be better, to be superior to others, to, you know, be intellectually capable, but the goal is to actually grow beyond what I'm doing right now, or where I'm at right now. And so you know the difference. The one is a very static life, uh, failure, resistance, obstacles can become my enemy and can paralyze me. But the other thing is a dynamic lifestyle. So everything is focused on growth. And so a lack of success is not an enemy that will paralyze me and destroy my life, but a lack of success is actually a ladder to growth. So I can learn from them. But unfortunately, these closed doors in us can really be hiding behind very clever things, like people saying, oh well, these are positive, you know, uh, adjectives of being sober-minded, having a sound mind. But actually what's behind it is that I'm afraid of trusting in God. In my heart, I refuse to trust God. And what we understand is that the foundation of these open doors in my mind is always faith. Because the Word of God says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, you can't open those doors. Without faith, we will stop outside these doors. We will not go through the open doors. And that's the way I've been taught or brought up, or even through my family, and for me, especially through my dad. Because my father raised me to say, hey, you can do anything if you're only willing to face it. 
And the second way I've been right is that even though I made mistakes, I did mess up. I did do that several times. You know, my father had beautiful cars, and every now and then, well, I run it against the wall, or, you know, I folded it up nicely. So when I really messed up and didn't do well, then he actually still showed me, I love you, I will stand by your side. I still remember one day I uh, came back home and I had a real dent in the car now, in my father's car, and he said, now come on, sit down, relax, let's have a drink together, and then let's think about what to do next. I will stand with you even though you might not be successful, or when I failed at school maybe. It did uh, happen f almost frequently. You know, he still said, I stand with you. But what he also said, don't stop there. Try again. And then, after I had damaged his car, he immediately returned the car key to me and said, now, now you drive down to the garage and keep driving. So he invested trust in me. And so when I look back in my ministry, or in our ministry, everything that we did, of course, well, there were a few gifts that we had, but it didn't happen because of our gifts or abilities, but because I didn't imagine that I, I'm not able to do it, and not because I am good, but because God can do it through me, through faith. So, to put it in practical terms, I didn't speak any Russian, but in 1980, I went behind the Iron Curtain together with a friend to evangelize. And when we were students, we didn't have any money, but we still believed for a high amount of money to rent the office building next door. And praise the Lord, we found uh, a landlord who was trusting us. I'd never been to uh, Poland or the Ukraine before, but we went on a reconciliation march with 200 people for 2,000 kilometers from Berlin to Moscow, and we even received the permit to evangelize in the Kremlin. I'd never been faced with a radio microphone before, but we set up a ministry of radio and media. I had no idea about street kids or, or drug rehab or setting up social ministries, but still it happened. I had no idea about PR, no idea about graphic design, no idea about m event management. I had no clue about uh, management advising, and yet these branches started to come forth. I didn't know how to build church, and yet still we have quite a nice church here. I had no idea how to uh, switch a church to online in times of Corona, and my friends, I have no idea how to enter into new land after Corona, but God knows. But God knows. And last time at 2 p.m. everyone called hallelujah and amen, okay? So let's give a big hand to the living God. Because he knows how you can go through that. And so the thing is, with the living God, it's different. He doesn't look around and combine all abilities here, but he only waits for one thing, which is your willingness to go through the next door and to say yes, to take the first step. Isaiah 62, verse 10. Pass through, pass through the gates, prepare a way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones. So, my friends, Many people only see the closed doors, 
And that happens to us many times. We see the closed doors with people in difficult situations, the closed doors in the future maybe. And then I stop because I just see the closed doors and I'm paralyzed and I don't dare to walk through because I think I could make a mistake. But how about switching from a it's impossible believer to becoming a it's possible believer? And how about becoming a believer who says the glass is half full instead of half empty? And how about turning from, oh, it's not quite finished yet, I'm not quite there yet, to becoming someone, I thank you for everything that's there already, believer, okay? Are you willing to do that change? So a closed mindset, closed doors in my thinking can be quite dangerous because I actually think I'm in, in safety and security because I don't really make mistakes and yet Jesus is outside. And so that was only my introduction and now it's so important for us to learn how to do the things, how to walk through those doors. Because we are living in a time of open doors, whether we are in the midst of Corona or afterwards where there's waves or whatever, but God is opening doors and I don't know what this will look like, but we need to learn to walk through those doors. And sometimes the doors of God cannot be recognized so easily. They can look very insignificant because we know that we are walking on a narrow path and insignificant doors might seem small and narrow and the broad path, that's what the Word of God says, the gates might look huge and attractive and radiant, but actually God's doors might be very unattractive, very insignificant because we need to bow down to humble, to make ourselves low to walk through. When you go to Bethlehem and want to see the uh, the church of nativity, we need to bow down to enter. That's on purpose. Or maybe doors are in darkness and you need the word of God to see them. Because the word of God says, my word is, your word is the, the light unto my path and a lamp unto my road. And it's very easy actually to confuse them with huge exit doors. You see on the right and left here in the hall, you see large exit doors and some people confuse that with God's doors because these exit, ga exit gates are huge, are gates to the world, they are lit up, they are attractive and they lead to br really broad, well-lit paths and they look like a path to freedom and yet they will lead you straight into bondage. And so let's take a look at four points now, what kind of attributes someone needs to have to walk through the open doors of God. So we are to be people with an open spirit, an open mindset within us. But actually what do we need to be like, what needs to be our attitude in order to go through those gates? First of all, open people are willing or ready even if they're not ready. So my friends, many times we only S start walking through the doors when we feel, okay, the circumstances are right now, so I can actually kind of guess what the future will be like. But that's not how it's going to be. 
You see, faith is when God calls us and asks us to go through a door and we never knew what was going to be behind it. When the Lord asked us to start a church, we had no idea what was going to be behind, be behind that door. And when he asked us to ha hold services in Tübingen, we had no idea what was in store for us. Or for the March of Life, we had no idea what was going to happen the next few day years. When he asked us to go to South America to set up houses for street children, we didn't know what was waiting for us. The only thing the Lord wants is that we say we're ready, even if we're not ready. So the Lord doesn't wait for us to be in an inner state of everything to be okay within us, but the Lord wants us to simply listen to him and walk through the next door. The disciples were not ready when Jesus sent them, because the word of God says they were even doubting. And I really love saying this, and that's why I repeat this here, and then we go to the second point. Moses was not able to speak. Jeremiah felt he was too young. Gide Isaiah said that he was of unclean lips, and the rich young ruler said he was too rich. But no one said, I am ready. I feel ready now. So God is looking for people who are ready, even though they don't feel ready, who simply say, Lord, here I am. And that's what happened with Moses, who said, here I am, even though Lord, the Lord had to persuade him, okay? And Gideon was like that. He said, here I am, even though he was afraid. And Abraham, who was laughing and doubting, and yet he was there and said, Lord, here I am. Jeremiah, who said, I'm too young. And yet, he allowed the Lord to call him in Isaiah, who said, I am a man of unclean lips. And yet he said, here I am, Lord, send me. It was only the rich young ruler who was not ready. And you never heard of him again. The second point is, open door people will not be paralyzed by their insecurity. And if you think you're the only person who's insecure inside, I can guarantee you that you're in good fellowship with many others. The only question is, what do we do with that insecurity? So in this time of Corona, we keep thinking of the first few chapters of the Bible because we know the creation story, we talked about the fall of man, and then there's the flood. We thought about chapter 7, which is Noah's story of the ark, and the closed doors, the shut doors. And then we see the door of the ark opening up again, Noah building an altar as a symbol of the new beginning. I spoke about this. And then there was a new kind of weather, climate, summer, winter, seasons. And it was a time of a new era. Something new was happening. And now we could think, oh, wonderful, but that's not what it was, because the heart of man had not changed. Because in chapter 11, we see the Tower of Babel. And we can see how man said, I want to be like God. And many say, this actually was the beginning of humanist thinking. I want to make a name for myself. But actually, man had been called by God to rule over the earth. That was God's calling and destiny for mankind. That's Genesis 1.28, when God said, he blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. 
but now everything was broken again and damaged. You know, the flood had just been over, and even the next chapter they start building this high tower. And the nations are dispersed and scattered over the face of the earth and start worshipping idols. And then we see, like, in one spotlight, all of history focuses on one little point. God is looking for one man, one very ordinary man who walks through the open door. He's just looking for one. One ordinary man that he could use to bring forth his redemptive purpose with one nation, the nation of Israel. And you know, if this one man had not walked through this door, we'd probably not be sitting here today. And maybe you think, oh well, of course, you're talking about Abraham. And we know that, you know, Genesis 12. But actually, before Abraham, there are a few other verses of Abraham's father. Some man named Terah. And we see that in Genesis 11, 20, uh, 11 verse 27 to 31. We know he was from the city of Ur, of the Chaldeans. And we see Terach took his uh, son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law daughter Sarah, and they came to Haran. And there they settled. And Terach lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. And then the story continues, and that gets us to more well-known verses. Genesis 12, and the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And actually what the Lord said to him here, it wasn't in Ur, but it was in Haran. And he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then we know those verses, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Those who were dispersed throughout the whole earth after the Tower of Babel. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So you can imagine how many years he had been living in Haran. And so in this story, God says, go. And he says that to Abraham. And when God says go, it always has two parts. The one is I go away from something, but the other thing is I go towards something. So go from your city, your nation, your culture, your father's household. And then we have to take a look at the city of Ur, because the city of Ur at that time, it was the largest city there was. All riches of the Mediterranean had gathered there. They were brought through the trade routes, the old Mesopotamia. They were led through that city. It was the city with the greatest prosperity, trade, all of knowledge had gathered there, wisdom, technology. We know the first written code of the law was there, became the foundation of civilization there. So it wasn't so easy to leave a place like Ur. And then God spoke to Terach, go away from Ur and go into the land I will show you. And that land was Canaan. 
And the land of Canaan wasn't the land flowing with milk and honey, but the land of Canaan was not attractive at all. I have opened a door for you for a land that is really not attractive at all. It was everything that Ur was not. Nobody wanted to go to Canaan. Without culture, no civilization, it wasn't cultivated at all. It was a hard ground. Go to Canaan. Canaan is the place where nobody wanted to go. Nobody wants to go there. And actually nobody who seeks a career or who wants to find a nice place or who wants to develop, nobody like that goes to, ever goes to Canaan. Who would like to go there? And now I'm not saying that the Lord just leads us to impossible places, but the, Lord, the doors the Lord has opened in many areas of my life, there were actually places that weren't quite that attractive for me. Because many times we are just experts. Whatever we like is the God's door, and what we don't like, oh, that's from somewhere else. And you know, usually, as I said in the beginning, God's doors are very unattractive. And that was the case in my life in many ways. I still remember I was praying at that time. You could either uh, go to the army or you could do uh, your uh, a different kind of uh, social service. And the Lord spoke to me, you go to the army. And I tell you, my friends, the Nazis were still really active in in the army at that time. And I can tell you about how I lived in the army as a, as a Christian, as a believer, and there were still Nazi activities there. And then the Lord led us to Tübingen. And the Lord asked me to study theology, and that wasn't my dream. And the Lord asked us then to go to a Swabian university town, little town in southern Germany. We didn't even know the name of the town. And I was surprised because the, everyone said here, well, when they say hello, they s in, in southern Germany they say God's greeting to you, and, and we only say hello and or good day in, in the place where I come from. So it was strange. And then the Lord asked us to do all sorts of things we'd never done before, working with street children, but we'd never thought about this before. And then God asked us to start a memory ministry or remembrance ministry and march of life. And I told you many times how he spoke to me and said, don't stop. So many times God's doors are not the obvious. They're very insignificant. And they're not there to increase our prosperity, our uh, respect or our status. And God's doors are not the uh, emergency exit to the broad path of the world. But when I walk through God's doors, I walk through them because I trust God for my future and because I made the decision that He is the Lord over my future. Even though the steps that He's taking me along might seem completely illogical. And so Abraham was from a city filled with idolatry. The whole mindset, the customs, he had to leave everything behind. He needed a new identity. That's why Abram became Abraham. And this, his step through that new door meant leaving behind all the old stuff, his religious customs, his false idols, the way he'd been brought up. 
And God gave him only one promise, my friends. He doesn't give him a whole uh, book of what he was going to do. Abraham, you'll see tens of thousands and everything. But he gave him one promise. And that one promise was put off for years and years and years and only came true many, many years later. later. And how easy it would have been for him to sit down somewhere at home to close his heart and say, oh God, you don't fulfill your promises. How quickly he could have hidden behind bitterness, but he didn't do that. Because God said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. And so my friends, Abraham need to leave behind everything that could have kept him from entering into his new life. And that takes me to my third point. People of open doors live with the inner attitude of superabundance, even though they might have had little. You know, God says to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. And blessing, that's not just some uh, theoretical bless me thing, something you can say easily, oh, God bless you, God bless you. But blessing in Hebrew actually means the fullness of God. It's an expression of the greatest well-being that people might ever be able to attain. So Abraham is so richly gifted by God that he was able to give to others day after day. That's amazing. Every day he was able to give. My friends, the open door of blessing and blessing others means I receive so much that I can be a blessing for others day after day. And so when God dreams of your or my life, it's a life that we will be blessing others. And the requirement is a mentality of superabundance and not of need and lack. This blessing flows over to others. And so we know that from the Word of God, a measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. So turn to the person next to you and tell them, you are blessed with superabundance. And if your neighbor is far away, call to him, hey, you are blessed with superabundance. And he was so blessed, there was so much abundance, that when he met Melchizedek, the king of Salem, he was able to give the tenth part of everything to him. So that was God's riches. And you will only be able to enter through that door when you are generous yourself. And I am so grateful for our friend Carlos Jimenez, who has been with the Lord for several years now, but he really helped us to step through that door. And so our life would have been completely different. We'd have never come to this hall here. This is the blessing of giving. I still remember when he taught us. And he encouraged us, you know, start giving away what you have. Maybe your precious jewels or your watch. Give it to your brother or sister. And everything with us, within us was like, it was sticky and ah, like thistles around us. Until we understood only once we start blessing and letting go, when we live a generous lifestyle, I can enter through that door of blessing because you bless out of God's riches. Your riches don't belong to you. They're God's riches. What we pass on to others is not what I have, but it's what God has. What belongs to me, my car, doesn't belong to me, but it belongs to the living God. 
The inheritance I've been given is not my inheritance, but God's inheritance. And that's why the tithes belong to him as a documentation that it belongs to him. It's a lifestyle of giving. And especially at a time of drought, we need to learn this lifestyle of giving, going through those doors and gates. You're not just called to receive blessing, but also to be a blessing. And step number four, open doors, people of open doors, don't remain outside that door. They don't stop at the door. And sometimes I'm kind of suspicious like the people of God wandering around in the desert, we are wandering around because we stop outside God's doors. And I read something very interesting, which is early in their life, people regret the things they've done wrong. You know, when you're maybe 20, 25, 30 years old, you think, oh, I did this wrong, I made a mistake there, oh, this was wrong. Did you ever regret what you did wrong? Yeah, any hands? But then I read, at the end of your life, when people get older, the people regret the things they missed, they didn't do. Okay, suddenly you start thinking, oh, well, I could have done this differently, I missed that op opportunity, I could have done that, why didn't I do this? And maybe, and that will kind of bring me to the end of my message, because nobody's coming uh, after us now, I could uh, carry on for an hour. Maybe, just maybe, you today live, still live in your Ur of Chaldea. Maybe you still live in a place where you have your identity in your education maybe, your prosperity, your abilities, that's a foundation for you. Maybe you live in a place where your self-worth is founded on your prosperity, your possessions, on what you can do. And I want to ask you at the end of this message, what's your response when you are faced with such an open door and you hear the go of God? And let's not be too quick with our answer, of course I'll do it. Now just wait for a moment, because you see, when we say yes, because sometimes we're not so sure, you know, is it God's voice or not? But when you say yes, maybe you will make a mistake. Maybe I will make a mistake. But when I don't go, and if I'm not willing to take the risk, if I say maybe, maybe I won't do it after all, or I'm indifferent, I'm totally indifferent, you will never enter the promised land. I cannot enter the promised land that God has prepared for me. And I cannot receive God's blessing. When I think about all those points in my life, in our ministry, where we could have said no, and where we come with trembling and insecurity and even taking the risk, yes, Lord, help us. But we don't want to say no whenever you ask us. How much blessing would we have missed out on? You know, in this new time, in this new era where that we are led into, historically, church historically, whatever, 
all of us, we're in the same boat. We don't know how this is going to be like. We don't know whether it's going to be good or bad. We hear the news of crisis. We know God has something prepared. Many speak about an end time atmosphere. Many dream about an end time harvest. I don't know what's going to come. But I know one thing. It will be an open door and another one and another one. Because we as the people of God have a destiny to walk through those doors. And I make the decision to say, Lord, I'll never say no. I will say yes to you. Lord, I don't want to stay captive in the country of Ur. But I want to encourage you, if you're still in Ur, your identity, your self-worth, if you're founded on your education, your prosperity, your own abilities, you are in danger to be like, like Terah. Terah, the father of Abraham. Because he left Ur. He heard the voice of God. He had a calling. And I want to tell you here in this service, you personally, when you are listening, there are so many here, you have heard the voice of God. You've taken the first steps. You walked through the door even. You knew this is God's way. But then, Terah reached Haran. And we read that in Genesis 11, verse 31. Terah's way to Canaan ended in Haran. And Haran was a city like Earth, similar, not quite like it, but it had idols, prosperity, everything you needed to live. They settled in Haran, they stopped. They never reached Canaan. I don't know what happened. Why Terah stayed in Haran? Maybe he thought, oh, well, I can lose everything. I need to give up so everything. Because maybe he thought it was too hard. Maybe he lost his perspective. Maybe he didn't want to go to Canaan because he heard terrible things. Maybe. I don't know what was the reason. Or maybe he just lied to himself. And then he simply took the easy way. Terach represents the easy way. Terach represents the open doors that he never went through. So Abraham was obedient to God, and he said yes. And he went through that open door, praise the Lord. He simply was obedient, and he became the father of faith. Terach took the first few steps, but then he stopped outside the open door. And so if we take the first steps with Jesus, we stop. We take the first steps to get our lives right with God, and then we stop. Or we take the first steps into our calling, and then we stop. We take the first steps, and maybe you have even been to the mission field, and God has used you, and yet you stop again, and you stay in Haran. Maybe you take your first steps, and God has spoken to you, and now you're sitting there on your seat, and somehow the fire has died down in you, and you just settled in Haran and thought this was all. But I've got a message for you. God has a glorious path for you, a glorious destiny. That is the year when you and I, we will go through open doors. This is the year when God will open doors that used to be closed up to now. And maybe he will take you to a place where you've never been before. And not necessarily location-wise, but maybe, first of all, in your spiritual life. 
Maybe he'll take you to a place where you used to live in captivity and he leads you out. He says, I have given an open door to you. And I would like to tell you personally, the open door of faith, first of all, is Jesus himself. He says, I am the door of life. And only when you go to Jesus directly, invite him into your personal life, follow him as your Lord and Savior, that's the only way how you can find all these other doors. And maybe you're here and you've stopped. Maybe you've taken your first steps. Maybe you did pray a prayer of surrender, giving your life to him one way or the other. But you never followed him. You never went after him. And that's why you stopped outside so many doors. Or you will be an open door of blessing, but you need to go through. This open door of blessing, we need to be active. So you know that God's riches, the riches that God has given to you, everything that you can share with others, whether it's your testimony, your time, your strength, your riches, everything you have, you are called to be a blessing. Or maybe it's an open door of your calling. The Lord has placed his hand upon you, and you know you can't help it but serve him. I still remember when I had my vocational training and people asked me, oh, Jobs, what do you want to be? And I had different options, okay? My father was a dentist. I was, could do dentist uh, training or study or so many options, but there was only one desire in my heart. Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, you placed your hand upon you. Please give me the privilege to serve you. And my friends, serving the living God and preaching the gospel of God is the greatest privilege in this world. I don't want to trade with any manager, even though they might be rich as anything. I don't want to tr change and trade with any successful sportsman or someone in showbiz. It's my greatest privilege to serve the living God from the first to the last breath I take. And maybe it is the open door into your calling, maybe even into your job or into the church. Maybe you've been in online services so many times and now you say, I need a living church. Then please take the step and come to the church. Please go and look for a church. And maybe it's also the open door of your training. Go and look for a Bible school. Go and look for vocational training. Receive training. Maybe it's an open door to serve the Lord or to serve or your testimony. The Lord's been waiting for you so, for so long to share your story. Or maybe it's an open door. Whatever you do, or your job, your calling, to place it under God's authority. So God wants to give you a breakthrough, a breakthrough through those open doors. And I want to ask you, and then we'll pray together. Do you live like God wants you to live? Or have you stopped outside some door a long time ago because you were not willing to go through it? Are you willing to say to the Lord, over again, Lord, here I am. I want to go through every door that you open to me. 
maybe the insignificant small doors, the dark doors, the doors that I might not desire for myself, but they're your doors. Lord, I don't want to stop outside the doors. You've got a destiny for me. And it is your destiny that the Lord will bring forth breakthroughs with <coughs> with you once you walk through those doors. Let's all stand. Revelation 3, 1 verse 8 says, I, Behold, I know your works. We know that from Revelation, the word. The Lord speaks to the church. And I believe he also says that to you and to me. Behold, I know your works. And behold, I have opened a door before you, an open door that no one can shut. So let's close our eyes so we can pray together. And please, wherever you are, start giving thanks to the Lord. Give him thanks for all the doors that he has given to you already. Give him thanks that you don't have to define yourself by your abilities and possibilities. Give him thanks that you just have to say yes to those doors that he has opened to you already. The Lord has spoken to you. And Lord, I ask that this message would not just be a word that we can like store in our intellectual memory. Because your word says that it will never return empty. But I pray that this word would fall directly into our spirit now. Lord, you've got a destiny for us. And Father, I ask that you won't leave anyone behind here. No one with a spirit that's still closed. But that you would minister to each one here. Hallelujah. And just pray wherever you are. And maybe you are standing in front of that open door of Jesus. And you've heard so much. You know him. You know everything. You can read the Bible. You know everything. But when was the last time that you had a personal encounter with him? When was the last time that you met him in such a way that he changed your life? He is the door. When did he come to touch your heart? When did you have such an encounter with him? And had him say, I love you so much, my child, that I can take you by the hand. And I want to walk with you through this time. Maybe some people are here who want to have that fresh encounter with Jesus. So just wave at me if that's true for you. And there are many hands that are up here. And also, if you're watching online, just raise your hand as a symbol and sign. I can't call you for, to the altar now, but even where you are, you are in God's, at God's altar, in his courts. You can say, Lord, here I am. You are my gate, my door. And Father, I thank you that just now you meet with every single one who's raised their hand now. Thank you for giving you life. And maybe you are here and you say, Lord, I want to follow you. And you know, meeting with him means following him as your Lord and Savior. 
And you can pray that wherever you are. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for your love. And today I declare that I will follow you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that you are taking me by the hand to lead me through every door. And you can say yes to God's doors. Those that might seem insignificant, the Lord has opened them. But behind those doors is the glory of God. And maybe you say, yes, Lord, I'm ready. I'm willing afresh. Then you're also welcome to raise your hand. If you want to say that, Lord, I'm ready to walk through your doors. God has chosen you. He has touched you. Thank you, Lord, for God's timing now, for a divine moment. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that touches you right now. The power of the Holy Spirit is anointing you with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's touching you now. Hallelujah. Come pray wherever you are. Pray wherever you are. The Holy Spirit's here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's sing. Let's sing. And Lord, I break now all religious chains now, all fears. I break now all old experiences. And Lord, I thank you that this is a new time. Now worship him. He is moving his mighty arm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And there are some people here and you see doors that you stopped in front of, if you're really honest. Doors where you said, oh, maybe later. Or doors, you know that God asked you to go through them. The Lord's not looking for your abilities, your giftings, because he has given abilities and gifts and intellect to each one of us. We can be grateful for it, but that's not the first thing God is looking for. But he is looking for people who are willing to walk through those open doors. Maybe there were doors and you stopped in front of them. If that's true for you, can you raise your hand simply as a sign before the Lord? I know which doors you've asked me to go through. And Father, I bless all those who've just raised their hands. And you see, the Holy Spirit is showing you there is to give you a new chance to walk through those doors afresh. And also to you, those of you who are watching via TOS TV, there are so many doors and you stopped in front of them. And I bless you in your decision to walk through those doors and you can say yes and commit to going through them. God's here. Isn't he wonderful? And we will end the service in a few moments with the ironic benediction. But let's sing this song once again, the ironic benediction. The all honor. 